conversations about real estate, local happenings, and all things Winchester, Virginia. My name's Mark Francis, a local realtor, broker, and owner at Icon Real Estate. And I'm Megan Eanes, a local real estate agent for 20 years and part of the Icon Real Estate team. Mark and I are so excited to share everything that we love about Winchester, Virginia with you. We want you to be an informed, savvy real estate consumer in today's ever-changing market. Ever-changing. Yep. If you want local knowledge, you've come to the right place. Well, how are you, Megan? I'm doing pretty good. I haven't seen you in maybe even a week. Uh, last week was busy. <laughs> yeah, very busy for <laughs> yes, both of us yes. and flying all around town doing mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. I feel like you have like you're juggling so many different clients and leads and life and family and all that kind of stuff. I, I am. I'm surprised at how well I'm handling it. <laughs> I, I actually do. Apparently, I do better with chaos. Chaos is good. <laughs> so chaos keeps me organized, which is a crazy thought. Yeah. You know what? There's There's been studies shown about that. You know, kind of the, the more you're really in it and doing tons of things, the more focused you can be. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like that's true. It's true for me because if I'm not busy and I'm then I feel unproductive and then you kind of get into this lull in this state of mind of like okay I'm not doing anything and then there's no motivation right but when you're out there busy working and hustling and doing things that even motivates you to keep going oh definitely and then you know you've got to keep on on you know on track with getting things done and you've got to keep a structure yeah and, um i I, I definitely thrive on being busy. If I'm not, it's just totally the opposite effect. Yeah. I mean, it's then it's almost like just being a couch potato on a weekend when there's really nothing going on. Mm -hmm. And then on Sunday night or Monday morning, you're like, what did I do with myself all weekend? I, I didn't have that. <laughs> not, right. not, not either. Like, I haven't had that in a very long time. That's a good thing. I guess it's a good thing. Yeah. But you need to unplug and unwind. You every, do need it every, every so too. often. Yes. Yeah. I am going to be getting away in October for just a couple of days. There's some like college friends of my wife and I's that we know from way back that live in Texas. And we've never visited them. And we've never been to Austin. I've been to many other Texas towns, but haven't been there. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, that's you know, kind of funny. Something just to get away. You're going to be in Austin in October, and I will be in San Antonio in October. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. What are you doing in San Antonio? Um, so that's when my son graduates from basic training right. from the Air Force. So okay. we will be going out there. I think the 11th through like the 15th, we'll be going for his graduation from basic yeah. training before he then leaves to go to his uh, tech school. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's going to be, I'm still sure, pretty warm. You know, like, I hope so. When my oldest did it, it'll be three years ago. He went in the beginning of November. So we okay. really thought that, you know, the weather's going to be fine. Yeah. It's going to be still warm. It's Texas. Uh, we were wrong. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. froze. And really? we were. We, it's funny because we left Virginia in November, but uh -huh. we, we didn't prepare to be um, cold there. So we really didn't have a lot of warm clothing. Uh huh. But we were cold. So I'm hoping that that's not the case. Maybe October we'll get that, that good weather. Yeah. Well, seventies, eighties, no humidity. That kind sounds of weather. about right. Yeah, and fingers Texas crossed. Is, Texas is a cool place. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people lately have been moving there, and so there's there's a draw, there's an attraction, and it's a big football state. Yes, I will claim to be a Dallas Cowboys football fan, which I've said a couple different times. So apologize to people out there who are the Commander fans. You know, I don't even know if there's a rivalry with that anymore, but. I know. It's, I, it's I'm, I mean, I am not a big, 
I just don't I don't have time to pay yeah. as much attention to football like I used to. But I, I just don't think there's as much of a rivalry because the commanders and, and the Washington football team and the Redskins yeah. the past couple of years, whoever they have been, um, they, they haven't really done. They haven't been good. Great. Yeah. No. Like <laughs> so a I rivalry. Think, is I think they've like, kind of backed off the rivalry until yeah. they actually have a team that can. A good rivalry makes for teams that are two good teams that play yes. each other that are fighting it out. You know, it's a, maybe a sleeping rivalry right now. Yeah, I've been to many Cowboys Redskins games in my life, and I feel like there was me- at least a good handful of them where neither team was good, and it didn't make for as fun of an experience. Mm-hmm. And one of the more fun kind of games was when they both were in their prime and heyday, and going back to RFK Stadium and oh yeah, seeing the early when the stadium would rock. Yeah, the early years of Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin, and it was right after the Redskins had won a Super Bowl and. The Cowboys were the up-and-coming team, and Joe Gibbs was the coach. Them. Yeah, yeah. So that you know, that's and I wore a Cowboys jacket when I was like a teenager with my dad, who went with me, who's a Redskins fan, and he's a big guy, six four, big, and fans did not care about him. They saw me and they were yelling at me and <laughs> saying, "Get out of here, kid!" And I'm like, "Wow." I mean, lucky I wasn't in Philly. I think Philly's probably worse than that, but I experienced the wrath of early days rfk redskin fan so, right yeah anyway i didn't was not planning about talking about sports here <laughs> who knew that who we knew? were gonna take this turn well so you know we've gotten really good positive feedback from you guys the listeners about the the conversations we've had about home buying process and home selling process and we figured we'd turn the tables a little bit but still talk about real estate and there is a mindset of the glamour of taking a house and fixing it up and flipping it and selling it and making a bunch of money. You know, early on in our Iconic Talk podcast, we would mock HGTV, which I still like to do. But they really made the flipping concept seem so glamorous and so fun and so easy that everybody thinks they can do it. Well, let's have a chat about the nuts and bolts and dirt about house flipping. Right? Yeah, I'm really interested in this because I have wanted to do it. I've had clients that have done it, but I myself have not. Yeah. And I know that you have. So I'm curious Watching to hear. Watching from a distance, I yes, see. Okay. I'm uh-huh. curious to hear your perspective on like what do you look for, especially in yeah. like in this kind of a market? Like yeah. how do you find the house? Yeah. Finding the house is challenging and and I I have a specific model. So I will say this is not the only way to do things. There are plenty of investors and people who flip houses who do it in bulk and essentially just don't not I don't say they don't care. They care a lot about the money, but they don't care much about the location because they think if I do it in mass bulk and chunks of, you know, 10, 15, 20 houses a year, I'm going to win more than I'm going to lose. Right. I come at it from a more pragmatic standpoint of give me two or three houses a year. And I'm going to be very strategic about the location and the expenses and essentially know the market so well that I'm not going to guarantee it. But unless the market crashes, I'm going to be making money. So there is a different mentality. Um, Finding the house for those kind of big gaming investor flipper people, they will look anywhere. They will be on the courthouse steps looking for auctions. They will be looking... um, posting signs you've probably seen them you know definitely yeah have cash yes we'll buy your house that's a home investors marketing technique that is just looking to gain leads of people who are looking to sell their houses and dump it because they might be underwater they might just need to sell really quick and i'm sure those leads that come in are half trash of just people that just 
aren't really ready to sell, but some of the people that I know that do those signs, they say it works. And it's just, for them, it's a numbers game of how many right. leads you get. Just like as a real estate agent, casting your net out there for real estate clients, you might get, you know, 10% might actually be good leads. I don't know a specific number, but right. that happens. So that works. That's one method. And it's interesting you say that because my father-in-law is, um, he's been widowed and he, um, he's a widower, I'm sorry. And he is thinking about selling his house and there's just a lot of stuff he needs to do to it. So he actually called one of them mm -hmm. and had them okay. come out to the house. Okay. And that was interesting. And of course, they're trying to lowball him. And he's like, yep. well, let me talk to my daughter, my yes. daughter-in-law, Megan, who is a real estate agent in yes. Virginia. Yes. And um, so that was really interesting to hear what they had to say and how they increased their value mm. when they found out that mm. his daughter-in-law was a mm -hmm. realtor. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. So that's that's but... part of it. But it, it works for some people. Mm -hmm. And as you fish through those leads and as you go visit the people and get their reality and pitch a number, um, that, that happens. Other people I know solicit through emails or even letters where they'll see a listing pop up on MLS that you and I know that it's listed at fair market value. And if you attempted to flip it at that price, you wouldn't make money. But people just for the fun of it will send out emails or letters to those listing agents or owners because it's all public records. And they'll say, here, I'll make you a cash offer right now. And it's like $80,000 less than list price. Right. You know, and it's a joke. But in their mind, it's a numbers game. And if I can put out 100 letters and one or two of those people will be, hey, I'm ready, I'm desperate. Then they're making. Then they're finding their leads. I'll tell you what the appeal was for my father-in-law. Um, they basically said, "Look, you take what you want out of the house. What you don't want, leave it here. Mm. And then you, you will, you know, we'll take care of it." They mm -hmm. didn't care. So Absolutely. to him, that was that. He, yep. he hasn't made a decision yet, but that was the biggest appeal so for him. I, was, and I've done you know, that too. So my method is way more calculated and um, more personal and intentional. So I have gotten my houses to flip over the years through one or two through foreclosure one or two through just like you know looking on mls for a good deal and talking them down because i was like okay that's actually a list price that's under fair market value but a majority of mine are through people that i already know and they know me and some of them are current clients and some of them have been past clients or some of them have been friends or referrals of people say Hey, you know, there's somebody that might want to actually sell their house. Um, and so I am very um, intentional to explain the process of what I'm trying to do to these people with say, hey, I'm going to try to fix it up and sell it. And I'll invite them to be a part of the process. Some of my more recent transactions I've done that with flips is if it is an owner who needs help and work, they're going to try to sell their house. And I will invite them to partner with me during that process. Oh, we talked about we talked that, about which about I that thought before. that was really cool. And, it'll, and it gives me the freedom to not have to have the, all that cash on hand, if it's 150000 or 200000 or whatever it might be. The ideal way is that as you flip a house and as you buy a house, you don't want to incur additional expenses and right. costs. Getting a loan incurs on it is to have cash. I'll get to that in a second. But so a lot of my... A lot of my clients or people that I've bought them from are people I know. And um, I've gotten deals because I say, okay, fair market value, apples to apples out there of what your house is worth, typically is going to be with real estate commissions. Mm -hmm. So instantly you've got to back out real estate commissions to say, okay, that's going to be a big chunk of money that 
is not going to be an expense for you, Mr. and Ms. Seller. Then we got to say, what are all the renovations and all the repair costs? Then you got to say, I want to make some money. So I'm going to come to them with a number that brings all of those factors into play and say, are you comfortable with this? And understand that, like, I'm going to be attempting to make a little bit of money on this, and I'm just going to give you the cash, and you walk away. Some people have said, no, I can't go that low. Other people have said, yes. And it, to me, it's surprising, but as I explain it to them professionally and upfront and be truthful with them, they're saying, okay, I'm ready to do that. Well, I'm sure a lot of people know that, okay, I could have done this too, and I could have right. made this money, but it would have taken you know, money, work, time, yep. what a lot of people don't have, especially when they're trying to move. They just want out. Yep. And that's happened. I mean, I can cut countless stories. There is one, um, one time I was doing an open house and it was a friend that said, Hey, I've got a aunt and uncle that need to do something with their house. And I went to go visit them and it was true. And it just so happened that I had buyers who were in that same price point. So for that particular flip, I bought the house and already had my buyer lined up and I was doing more of a customized flip for them which I loved. That was oh, amazing. Nice. So I didn't have to wait through the stresses of once it's all finished and renovated to right. wait, who's going to buy it and what's my price going to be. Um, other times I took on a listing presentation and they were telling me they're going to be moving out of town and they already have a lot that they're buying in a different state. And then they had, I mean, the house is just not in good shape. And so I'm trying to encourage them. Here's, you know, either you got to dump a lot of money in this or we're going to have to sell your house at a pretty discounted price. They said, we don't care. The discounted price, we just want to get out. And I said, well, if it's at this price, I'd be willing to take it off your hands. And they said, really? <laughs> and so it that just fell in my lap. And it had a pool, and it had a shed, and it had I know that house. colonial house. Yes. Was that um, Morning Glory? Yep. Yes. Yep. I showed that house. Yep. And I had people that were actually quite interested in it. Um, they just, they, they took a little while to buy, a little, still a little while yep. longer to buy. But and I have seen- how you finish your houses yeah. and they're done very nicely so yeah. and, and so i i go at it with that professional perspective of flipping house. Right. so answering your question about how i find the places that's the question that's how i answer it right there it's just i'm looking to be you know very intentional with the location is it a spot that i know is going to sell very quickly mm -hmm. is it a spot that i know where i can make money so we can talk costs and expenses too because that that that's the big factor. You have to know what you're doing, right? <laughs> to, right. To make it work, you, you know? gotta know people. You've gotta have good people working for you, also to, to be able to do the work. So yeah. you've got the house now. Yeah. You've bought it. It's in your name. Then what? Yeah. So well, before it's in my name, I'm already oh, yeah. creating How, yeah, a spreadsheet. Okay. I mean, I am I am a numbers person where I'm going to be making a spreadsheet to know exactly what my costs are going to be. Um, and I've learned. I've <laughs> I've done bad numbers over the years sometimes and was like, oh, wow, that was way more money than I thought. And early on, that's going to happen. Early on, you're not going to predict all the things. And early on, you're going to say, oh, I'm going to leave a couple thousand dollars for fluff of miscellaneous things. And that couple thousand dollars adds up to 10,000 real so quick. That really turns into an HG, HGTV show where you take the walls the down. Yeah. And then, oh, it's an extra 10 grand. And it's not even that. <laughs> it's not even that dramatic of taking the walls down. It's just the extra things that you don't think about and you're not mm -hmm. predicting. And even if you are trying to do it, um, with contractors, they will quote you certain things, and then they'll still come back to you and be like, hey, certain things happen, materials and all these things. Early on, I did a lot of work myself, um, and that's one way of saving money. I'm at a spot now where I don't have the time and effort 
to do that. And so I have a whole slew of contractors. So I pretty much know after doing this many years and many times what their numbers are going to be so I can estimate myself. I would strongly encourage to somebody before you even buy the house to get those estimates from professionals. That way you have at least the best handle of what you're doing from a roofer to a landscaper to the handyman to the plumber to electrical to HVAC, you name it, go straight on down the list um, to know what it's going to be. I've got a good handle where I have an estimate in my mind, then I bump it up by 20%. Oh, and I'm wow. being I'm being super conservative from mm-hmm. like what my big costs are going to be. Um, I've just learned the hard way to really know. And then my goal and takeaway, and everybody can have different goals. Depending on the price of the house, I want to make significant money. You know, I'm not going to do this for a couple thousand dollars. So I'm going to make sure that I've banked in enough of that miscellaneous I don't know what's going to happen in costs and expenses to then still say I'm going to be walking with money because I am going to list it and I'm going to use commissions when I list it. So I've got a bank in those commissions Mm -hmm. as well. Sometimes what people don't factor in that are a little secret, you have insurance, you got to pay for insurance. Right. Um, That can be up to $1,000 easy. You're going to have to pay for taxes on capital gains when you're done doing it. Some people don't factor that in. And then at the end of the year, the tax man comes and you haven't factored that in. So if I even partner with somebody, which sometimes it'll be me and a partner, um, we factor that in. And we factor that, that tax. So our proceeds are post-tax. And so that was a, a lesson learned in the beginning, I'm guessing. Absolutely. One of those lessons. <laughs> the so hard way. You thought that like we made you know six or $7,000, then all of a sudden, like boom, like a majority of that's gone because <laughs> at the mm-hmm. end of the year, you've got to pay up. So it's factoring all of those things in. And then on top of that, if you are cash, um, where is your money coming from? Is it an investor? Um, is it a line of credit? There's interest. No cash is free unless you just have the half million dollars in cash sitting there by itself right. that you're just ready to dump at it. So you have to find the money from somewhere, and that's going to cost you. Factor that interest into your expenses. So there's a lot of hidden expenses beyond just knowing what the roof and the carpet and the uh, trim and the landscaping is going to cost. It's the insurance. It's the taxes. It's the interest. It's all those added things that add up to be a couple thousand dollars really easy, really quick, that might be eating into what you thought were your profits. Let me ask you, in your personal opinion, not obviously professional as a realtor or anything, and you're not an accountant and you're not an attorney. Yeah, no. Do you do this individually or do you do it under like an LLC or something? Yeah, I started out individually. Um, and then after doing that for a while, meeting with my brother-in-law, who's an accountant, um, talking to the lawyers in town, they all suggested just for your own protection you might as well have a corporation that you're filtering this through Mm -hmm. i know some people go to the extreme they create a specific llc for every single property and that seems to be a little bit overkill for me i don't know the implications of doing that or not doing that but some people do it that way i did create a specific llc for the portion of my business that does this house renovation Mm -hmm. stuff um because it's it's just uh, my brain works from that kind of spreadsheet, kind of compartmentalized way. I'm I'm not going to commingle my money. It's not illegal, but I'm. I, it's just right. I, I have my my flipping company money. I have my real estate, my realtor money. I have my 
personal money. And my wife is like, don't ever get our personal stuff <laughs> caught up in your business stuff, mm -hmm. you know? And so I make sure I have all those compartmentalized. So for me, it was easy and logical to create the LLC, to create a specific bank account, to have that world totally separate. And, and it it's helped me too, to then accom just uh, accommodate for the expenses. Because um, you can easily just forget about certain expenses because you just put them on your personal credit card and then okay well, how much did i really spend on that house right. to flip it um you want to be precise you know because it, at the end of the day you got to account for every expenses otherwise you'll get taxed on it too so you have to show and prove where your costs were so yeah i i just i like doing it that way it's so much easier it sounds smart yeah and, and so from the flipping standpoint it seems fun and glamorous, but so many people just don't take the leap of faith. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it seems fun. It's a big talk. I've met with many people over coffee or lunch to talk and explain the process, and they still haven't gotten in the game. Well, and that's like, that's me, to be honest. It's, uh, I, there you go. I'm calling you out. Yeah, I'm, and I, I, I am that way. And <laughs> mine is more the starting aspect of it. It's like, okay, so no, I don't have all this extra reserve to just go put into, um, you know, right. the, the repairs and the right. purchase and that sort of thing. So it's like the, the starting point. Um, so do you have um, particular lenders or banks that are in the area that you have worked with in the past when it comes to flipping? No, um, because, again, I, I did it from the standpoint of knowing that cash is king gotcha. and I want cash. Um, so when I first got my real estate license, I was using some of my own money and got loans, and I realized that was dumb. Then the the height of the market hit and then the crash of, you know, 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8. And I stopped flipping. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I stopped. I got back in in the game, you know, about 10 years ago. And I instantly just made a few phone calls to good friends, people I know, even a family member or two, and said, hey, do you have 50 grand that you would want to let me borrow for a short time? And I explained to them what I was going to do. And... I said, I can give you a certain interest rate, and here's what I said. It's a win-win it's guaranteed for you because I'm going to sell the house. I'm not going to rent it. I'm not going to get to the point where I'm just going to give up and not sell it. And if there's any losses, it's on me. I'm going to take the hit. So I treated these friends, investors like a bank where I would guarantee that they're going to be getting their money back and the interest mm -hmm. no matter what I sold the house for. And to this day, I haven't lost money. And to this day, I haven't broken any friendships. And to this day, I've <laughs> Your paid family back. still loves you. <laughs> yes, I've paid back everybody. And so that's just probably not everybody's story. There could be some horror stories out there mm -hmm. of people getting into the weeds with people's money. But I do lock it up with a little bit of a, uh, a written paperwork document of what that looks like. And... Um, it's a it's a win win for them as friends because their money is just going to be in a savings account or tied up somewhere else, and I'm going to be giving them more interest, more than, interest they than they would have definitely been gotten. getting in an account. So um, it started small with twenty five, thirty, fifty grand from each person. Um, I only try to get one or two people involved with each deal, um, and then my nest egg has grown over the years to where I'm relying less on them. Um, I did then partner with a bank to open a specific business line of credit. Um, 
again, my wife is like, do not tie that to our house or anything that has to do with our personal finances. Right. So, Smart woman. <laughs> um, that I know people do that. I know people get their home line of credit or whatever it is. And that's just my personal choice because my wife says not to do it. Right. <laughs> <That's> your- <laughs> <laughs> but so but beyond that, I it's mean, funny, it is. But it's true. It is a smart. I, I agree with her. Yes, she's the. She is a very smart woman. She's more of the the money, um, not pincher, but just frugal personality type. And well, I'm frugal too. But I just I, when I see the potential that I'm like, I can go make some money if I've got this cash. Let's easily make that, and then your house is tied up, and then what happens? You know? Well, you've definitely got me thinking. It's more. It's more attainable. It always has seemed like it's such a, I, I'm not there. I don't know if I can do that. And I mean, yeah. I obviously have experience in the market. I can yeah. sell a house. Right. I know what values look like. I, I, I know that. I've also had properties that have had to be repaired when mm-hmm. you have them under contract or, you know, all those types of things. So yep. I know contractors. I have, a, I can do this. Yeah. And I guess I just never felt like I could. So I think yeah. you might have started. I don't it's know possible. about you guys listening. But, but that's the thing is for us, we have a little bit of insider information because right. we both feel confident about what a house is worth in its current junky condition and then in its nice condition. Right. And so th- we have that inside perspective. But anybody can do their research and figure that out themselves as well. Mm-hmm. And we still haven't gotten to the point of what happens after you buy it because it's still all about the research. It's all about the preparation. And part of it as well is I'll go in as a dreamer and look at a house and say, oh, this would be amazing. Let's knock down this wall and let's add a bathroom here and let's completely finish the both the basement and the attic and make it all gorgeous. you know. And then when you crunch the numbers and you're like, Holy cow, that's going to take $120,000 to do. That wall's staying there. We have to then make some harsh decisions. Right. So I go in with all of the perspectives of what would I do? If I was going to live here, what would I want to do? Um, and my wife is a harsh critic because she has really high standards of what it would look like. So I'm like, what would she expect? Right. <laughs> you know? And, and then as I look at the numbers, can I get that money back? And then I start making cuts and I start saying, okay, let's, let's prioritize what we need to do. And I still do it with top-notch quality. I'm not going to shortchange that. So we make those decisions. Um, there's been some houses that I've pretty much done everything to except for change the windows. And that worked. There's been some houses where I did have to change the windows. You know, there's been some houses mm-hmm. where the roof um, or the HVAC or there's – you just – those hidden things that you don't think about that aren't fun to, to deal with. You or have cheap. to make you, right. You have <laughs> to make good decisions on what that looks like and be realistic of what is a buyer really gonna expect and want and need. The last thing you want, and this has happened, is for a buyer to come back and be like, Yeah, they did a great job, but they didn't finish this. And then if they see that, then they're thinking in their minds, What else? What else? Wasn't done what, right. What do I not see that's hidden structurally or in the crawl space or in the foundation that they covered with drywall or, you know, the ceiling of the roof is that, you know, so we don't want to leave a buyer any doubt that it wasn't done perfectly, mm-hmm. all done well. So I go in with that mentality because I've seen plenty of flips that have been presented as a flip. And those buyers that I'm shopping with are not dumb. They right. say it, you know. And so if they're thinking that, then I need to think that way, too. 
as they're a, doing the where they're the doing the surface work, so it looks pretty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Now there are some foreclosures or some houses that you might come across that all it needs is a fresh coat of paint and a few light fixtures, and you can sell it and you can maybe make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that once. It's just not as fun, <laughs> and, and it's it. I I just pride myself in presenting a house that is fully moving ready, that is fully complete, that looks spotless that a new buyer is not going to have any complaints about you know and if you just put a fresh coat of paint and lights on something and then it's my pride it's my ownership it's me presenting that to your your house i don't want to have anybody come back calling and say yeah you claim that you fixed this up but you didn't touch the the structure the foundation you didn't touch the roof you didn't touch the hvac you know my my basement's flooding i, I don't whatever you whatever goes on mm-hmm. like i don't want that on me so i don't typically do those quick fix kind of just put lipstick on the on the pig uh yeah you said it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i do so all of that goes before even making the offer all of that goes before you even get into doing the work and then the rest of the story is easy get the contractors line it up time is money put a crunch to it get it done in four five six weeks whatever your project is stick with your game plan don't change your game plan um, unless it's absolutely necessary, but don't change your mind. Don't second guess yourself. Stick with your costs that you're doing um, and then list it right. Buy low, sell low is the name of the game. If you buy low and attempt to sell high, then you're stuck sitting on it because you're getting too greedy mm-hmm. or you're, you are you overspent in your expenses to compare to what the fair market value is. And I've learned the hard way on that one too. You know, again, haven't lost money, but... You keep dropping the price, and then you're like, oh, there goes all my profits. Because I overspent, I didn't stick to my game plan, or I didn't assess the market properly. And so all of those things are valuable to just make money. Well, if anybody is thinking about flipping properties, uh, and you need a realtor to help you find a house. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So here's – I will share – Maybe in a couple of weeks we can change the topic because there's other investment strategies that I know are out there that people are doing and have asked me about. And that's not flipping, but that's investing long term. Mm-hmm. And so hang tight for another episode because we can talk about what does it look like to take that cash, invest into something, rent it, refinance, reinvest in something else. And so that's a whole other game. So we'll cover that. Well, in the near future. That'll be interesting to hear also. Yes. So what's happening in the world of Winchester and Frederick County? What are the news stories out there? So um, in terms of... Not news stories, news, but no, not news. Events. Events. Event-wise, yeah, yeah. Events. we do have the big Shenandoah Valley Apple Harvest Festival. Nice. It is now... It's on the Saturday and Sunday from... Actually, I don't have times on here. I apologize, but it's at the Frederick County Fairgrounds in Clearbrook. It is family and pet friendly. General admission is $10. Um, military, veterans, law enforcement, and children under 10 are free. Nice. I, I, I do miss them doing it at Jim Barnett Park because I used yeah, to go every sure. single year for so many years. Yep. So, But yep. it, it's still, they do a good job over there at the fairgrounds. Um, there's also the pig roast and barbecue chicken drive through, chick, barbecue chicken drive through dinners at Redland United Methodist Church. That's uh, Saturday on the 17th from 3 to 6. Um, 
and $16 for chicken and pork and sides and desserts. Awesome. That sounds, I mean, every weekend there's something going on. Yeah. I love it. You can't beat this. I mean, if you're hungry, but you don't feel like really going out and doing something, there's a drive-thru. Yeah. Nice. Love it. Oh, you know what? You said hungry. That made me think of, we haven't done this in a while, but like what's out there in social media? Oh, that's right. <laughs> there, There is this amazing like uh, story that's on Instagram and blowing up Twitter and YouTube and everything that my wife showed me because she's cooler than I am. Um, this little boy, his name is Tariq, got interviewed by just like a local podcaster kind of guy at a fair, I think. And he was sitting on a bench eating a stick of a corner of a cob, corn on the cob on a stick that had been grilled, I think, and he's just sitting was, there I think it. that's called street corn. Street corn, something mm -hmm. like that. So he's got a couple missing front teeth, and I guess he had never had corn before. And so to get the full story, you need to watch the interview because it's hilarious. And he has this phrase of, like, when I ate it, everything changed, something like that. Like, he was just so fascinated with corn. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it justice it, because it's funny to watch it and listen to it. But then that same guy who did the interview with him put it to music and like made it an entire like insane uh, just song. And the post that I'm looking at on YouTube shows six million views. Oh, that's, already. that's crazy. Yeah, so I'm going to add to that right here. So here's a portion of the song that like it will make more sense if you see the interview. Get it? There oh, you go. So, so, so you cute. have to go find this thing because it's ridiculous. But again, it makes more sense when you just see the interview done first without the song. And then you got to watch the song and then you'll die. The amount of joy <clears throat> a piece of corn can bring to. Exactly. Yes. To a child. So bring your child to one of the Frederick County or Winchester events. Yeah, maybe you can get corn on a stick there and stick. recreate it. <laughs> <laughs> so end on that funny note, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Iconic Talk. We hope you learned something, you know, from today's episode. Look forward to sharing you more with you next week. Remember, when you look for a real estate professional, make sure they're experienced, innovative, personal, dedicated, and available. We appreciate you spending some of your valuable time with us. And if you have a moment, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review and a rating. And if you're enjoying listening, take a moment to subscribe or share this podcast with your friends. Yep. Until next time, Iconic.